Hey, Craig. goddamn road wins this this would have been the night to do the actual like the actual uh you know singing intro like we just go start spreading the news <laughs> the coogs are leaving on i don't know sunday sunday Probably Sunday. I didn't really think this all the way through, Craig. In the concrete jungle where dreams are made of. Can they beat yeah. Texas A&M? Probably. Um, all right. Well, yeah, this, we is think so. this is episode 163 of Podcast versus Everyone. Uh, I am Craig Powers. With me is Jeff Newser. And Jeff, oh. that... Last night, watching that cougar stomping of BYU, or our cougars stomping of BYU, the other cougars who use our Go Cougs hashtag because we let them. But yeah, well, in front of that so hostile crowd, given like how like crazy that crowd was, that's the most fun I've had watching a cougar basketball game on TV in like years. Yeah. Like. How how just into the crowd was great. Like they were into it. They were mad. They were loud for a, for an NIT game, which was awesome. There was eleven thousand people in there, and it did not phase WSU one bit, and definitely didn't phase Michael Flowers uh, or nope. Deshaun Jackson. And that was that was a blast and the best win of the year. <laughs> like, it yeah, took this we just long, keep racking but... up. We just keep racking up the best win of the year. The, the quad one wins, baby. We got those two. You think we'll get in now? We got yeah. the quad one wins. <laughs> well, we're ranked higher than a bunch of teams that got in the tournament. Now we're so. ranked. We're ranked higher than a few teams that are still in the tournament. I know. I know. <laughs> we, uh, we still, let's see, we're ahead of, uh, Iowa state. I know that one. Miami. Uh, Miami, and of course, yeah. St. Peter's. <laughs> yes, St. Peter's. St. Peter's has yet to crack the top 100. And we're only one spot behind Providence. <sighs> still, still, in still terms of the on Kempom, the luckiest team in America. Number one, is, number one luckiest team is number 32. The number 340 luckiest team is number 33. If we so. had... So if, if we had Providence's luck, I think we would actually have a better record than them. I think that's probably pretty likely. Because we would get 20, uh, 27% uh, 
on our win percentage. So yep. for 22 out of 36 right now, uh, six. So we'd go from 61% winning percentage to 88% winning percentage. So what would, <laughs> what's that like 33 out of 36? No, that's probably 32 out of 36. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So that's, oh. you know, so yeah, no, that's so exactly yeah, 30, 32 out of 36. So we'd be 32 and four, uh, and definitely uh, would be, uh, going to the elite eight right now. Uh, yeah, but, so. uh, uh but yeah, so that's, a. Good job, Providence. At least they're still winning. You got to give them that credit. Yep. You know? Yep. Um, and, you know, and, just uh, just like... Feel free uh, to go Washington, beat Kansas. They are alive. Yeah, they are alive, just like the Washington State Cougars are still alive. You know, the only, the only uh, Division One team in Washington that is still playing basketball. God, just a damn shame, isn't it? Yep. Somebody's got to carry the torch, Craig. Um, Somebody's yeah, got to do it. Let's talk. Let's talk about these games. This SMU game, this BYU game, uh, both like pretty similar in the way the yeah. WSU asserted themselves. You know, they're playing smaller teams, d- different strengths, definitely. Uh, BYU, despite its you know lack of size, actually plays like a bigger team um, because they're they're you know that six eight big is he's he's wide and he's athletic and. Um, and and he's he was tough to deal with, but you know outside of that, you know our guards made it tough um, on on their guards. Now SMU's uh, Davis went for thirty, but they weren't letting him create as much. They weren't letting him set up his teammates as much. He was having to work for that thirty. I mean, he legit he made hit, it just. He had to hit a bunch of mid range jumpers just to do that. Just a bunch of, and then you saw they forced, um, who's the the kid from BYU, uh, their point guard, um, uh, Barcelo, yeah. Barcelo, yep. into a ton of mid range shots that he missed a lot of them. You know, he he really likes those floaters. He made some. He missed a lot of them. Um, he ended up with like a seventy five offensive rating, largely being guarded by Ty Roberts. Um, and Ty Roberts checked Davis. You know, I was thinking maybe they could have put a taller player on Davis and maybe he wouldn't have made all those shots. But uh, what Roberts does is he stays in front of guys so you don't have to help. And so you're not getting burned in, in, on, on dump offs and, and, and kick outs. So, yep. um, it, you see, I, I, I kind of wanted to start with like the, the – that I mentioned Roberts and we mentioned Flowers. Both of them – have really in the in in the NIT have taken a step, you know, played the way that probably the coaching staff would have hoped they would have played all year. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ty Ty has really been, even despite his size, a very solid defensive player, and he's been, you know, not as a he was very aggressive in getting a shot against Santa Clara, but the last two games, he he kind of let the game come to him a little more. Shot open looks was a little more efficient, and then the last two games, Flowers, just what can you say? Like a a killer, like yeah, fucking assassin. Like yep. Jesus, yeah. It's it's like something. So I think it feels like with uh, with Roberts that something like kind of finally clicked. Um, 
I, he finally kind of figured out how to strike that balance between, uh, you know, because both of our guards were before they got to Pullman were strictly scoring guards, like high volume scoring guards. And then they were asked to, um, you know, really be essentially be combo guards, right? Like, um, you know, flowers was, was really sort of turned into a point guard, uh, not sort of, he was turned into a point guard and then Roberts, uh, was if, if not strictly turned into a point guard, definitely asked to do more point guard type things, right? Like not just, you know, put your head down and score. So for both of them, there was an adjustment period. Um, you know, and Kyle Smith likes to talk about with Roberts, he, he kind of makes the case that nobody else is really giving enough credence to the fact that he played zero basketball last year. He, he sort of keeps bringing that up over and over and over again. And I, and I don't know how many of our fans actually know that he sat out last year. He was a COVID opt out last year. Didn't play at all. Yep. Um, so when we're, yeah. yeah, he was, he wasn't even really practicing. Right. So yeah. um, really what he was doing was, you know, working out on his own and there's just, you know, there's, there's definitely, um, you know, something to be said for the rust that comes along with that. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think I probably did not give that enough weight. Uh, Kyle Smith likes to remind people of it and, you know, it's, it's probably true. And it feels like, you know, at some point in the last, you know, maybe half dozen games, um, something just kind of finally clicked, you know, where he just, um, you know, stopped maybe thinking so much, um, started recognizing the advantages uh, that presented themselves when he could, you know, get to the rim and instead of maybe just, you know, kind of worrying all the time. Um, and then the, you know, the other thing with him that I've noticed is, you know, he's real hard on himself. Like he wants to do really well. Um, he wears his emotions on his sleeves. And, uh, you know, there were times this year where he was, he was sort of, you know, pretty down on himself and um, would, would kind of beat himself up you know, out on the court. And it seems like we have, we've sort of moved past that finally, where, um, even if he makes a bad play, like, you know, against BYU, I mean, there was one where he, you know, he got in there and, uh, there, there, there wasn't really anywhere to go, but, you know, instead of like kind of beating himself up over, he just kind of, you know, clapped his hands and ran down the floor and, you know, and kind of set himself up to, to play defense. Cause that's what was needed. And, you know, so it just kind of feels like he is seeing the floor, um, a lot better. And then flowers, you know, same deal, you know, maybe a little bit different way, but you know, for him, it felt like he, he went from, you know, like we said, you know, being a high volume scorer to needing to be a point guard. And it seems like he took that, you know, that role very, very seriously and wanted to be, you know, the best point guard possible for his teammates and everything else uh, at times to the exclusion of his scoring. Right. And it's like, again, you know, in the last half dozen games or so, you know, he just has sort of figured it out like, okay, this, this is the balance. Like I can, I can be a point guard over here, but then I'm also, I also have a good feel for, you know, when it's okay to just kind of go score. Um, it's just, man, those two guys doing what they're doing has been just really an unbelievable um, combination. There have been plenty of times this year where I've been I, like Roberts has made me crazy at times. You know, I'm just like, oh, my gosh, he's just so small. And, you know, there are just sort of natural issues that come along with you know, being small in stature. Right. Um, you know, and with flowers, it was just like, man, I just wish he'd be a little more assertive. And, and it's, it's just like, it's so fun to watch, you know, the season is so short, right? 30 games is just not very long. And now that we've gotten some bonus games and you just finally see them coming into their own, it's just, it's fun as hell to watch them figure it out. 
Absolutely. And when, when, and flowers, you know, he doesn't, he's, he's got kind of a, you know, an interesting looking jump shot and he can be very streaky, but man, he, when he hits that streak, wow. Like he is such a good tough shot. I've said this before. He's such a good tough shot maker. Like he, and, and when he gets rolling, it's so fun to watch. He hit some like really tough mid range shots, some step back threes. They've been lo- that play, that in- out of inbounds play where he inbounds and then gets a ball screen and then takes a three in the corner. They had seven, they got seven points off of that play because they hit, he hit a three on one and he hit three and one on another one. Yeah. So like that, they, like that's, that works really well for them because he, he's he's uh he's got a quick release and um you know it 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 just works really well if he if if he just has a little bit of separation he can hit with a he can hit threes if he's bothered a little bit and he, he leaps on you know the good thing about him he he jumps on his shot like he gets higher and he kind of shoots from a high angle so yeah. um so he's able he doesn't need that much space and you know, again, in both these games, he just went on stretches where he buried the other team, and and then and then Ty had his own stretch against BYU after not scoring in the first half. It went, so you had this stretch where Ty was hitting everything, followed by Mike hitting everything, and we just absolutely buried BYU after they had pulled within three. Yeah, and, it was it was and, crazy. That one play, by the way, that you mentioned the the three point, the four point play. Yeah. where you get hit the three in the corner. That was actually the third three of the possession and was just sort of like the perfect encapsulation of, you know, of our offense. Like we're not always going to hit all the shots, but we are going to be relentless. We're going to get offensive rebounds. And if you give us enough looks, eventually we're going to get one. Um, oh, and, that, that was, and, that was maybe the most fun possession, I think. And, and then, uh, I, it was always also the one that set the you know the program record for threes in a season, um, which that's a pretty cool he, deal. He, he is, I mean, the way he's played the last two games in you know hostile environments, two you know two of the you know create like toughest environments they played in all year. Because let's be honest, those Pac-12 gyms were not that tough this year. Like UW was pretty packed when I was there, but. Um, but yeah, it's just like, it, just to be unfazed by it, you know, that's a 24 year old dude, right? Like, so yeah. like, um, so he's, he's, he's not around, being bothered. He's been everywhere. He's seen everything, man. Yep. So, and now, you know, he's, you know, the way he was talking after the game, like winning, it, it may not be the NCAA championship, but winning this tournament means, would mean a lot to him. Well, and he's he played sure on as shitty teams his whole career. Yeah. Like he's been on bad teams his whole career. He hasn't won shit, <laughs> you know? And so to, to be in this position, man, he's just, you, you can see why they picked him as captain, right? I mean, you just, he's so calm. He's so collected he, and he did not have a good start to the game. Like, no. it, like it, it was, he no one did a few threes. <laughs> no one did except well, for Deshaun. Deshaun. <laughs> uh, but you I think know, they missed he, their he first didn't have a good threes. start. Yeah, like he missed threes and um, had a, a drive to the basket that got blocked slash fouled and um, you know just like it wasn't great and then you know and they just he's just sort of steady Eddie you know he's mature and you know nothing's gonna intimidate him too much and um, 
you know, again, I think there were times earlier this year where he would sort of take that, well, I had a rough start and maybe fade back a little bit. Let me feed my teammates. Um, you know, that's not what this team needs. And he just kind of went, yeah, you know, I got this. And just tremendous, yeah, tremendous leadership, tremendous and, playing, tremendous shooting. Let's, just let's be that. honest, it, it helps that we've played teams with smaller guards. Like, so oh, yeah. it's it's easier for him to get shots up. He, it's easier for him yep. to get mid-range shots. Um, and, you know, the next game is going to be the same. And so, like, yep. and and what, one thing we have to talk about, this team is playing, obviously, it's best basketball of the year. They've now beaten two top 60 teams in Kempom on the road in a row after beating a top 75 team in Kempom at home. And beating them soundly. Be, not, all not of them barely, by double digits. You know, not, none of them were, you know, it, a team's always going to make a run. We shouldn't fret too much about that, especially a team at home. Yep. And th- it's amazing. Neither BYU and SMU both made runs in the second half at WSU. Neither had the ball at any point with a chance to tie the game. Like they I never. So SMU got within four. Never had the ball when they were within four. At BYU got within three. Ty Roberts immediately hit a three, and they never got put us up six, and they and never looked the back. That. So yeah. you know, and we we talk. We always love to look at the you know the start chart. So when BYU did cut it to three, we did dip down a fifty five percent chance to win, but they immediately went on a fifteen to two run <laughs> to basically put the game away. And what's crazy? They're playing this well. And a lot of it is because they're that depth depth that we were excited about at the start of the season is finally here. They can mix and match players until they find the players that work. Yep. Deshaun's here. Maybe Mo and Efe are having a hard time taking advantage in the post of these smaller forwards. Well, guess who is damn good at that? Deshaun, who now has up to an 111 offensive rating this year, because um, he's not turning the ball over like he did last year. He's, you know, he's hit, he's hitting shots over 50, almost 55 percent, which he was under 50 percent last year. So he's just improved a bunch, and he's just taking advantage. You know, he just he the, those six eight and then you know six nine dudes that were on him, who were. In that he was either a six eight dude or a six ten nine dude that's given up weight, and he just turned and he scored on them, and, and he used his post moves, uh, had some nice footwork. Sometimes didn't even use the footwork, just went straight up and scored, which is nice to see him be that aggressive. Um, we saw him make a nice finish off a catch, which he was so good at last year, and it was nice to see him be able to do that again. He's getting his confidence back, and he was really fired up. But then you you still have FAMO, who are yep. these fucking crowd killers with the dunks that they do. FA And the block shots, too. The block shots that they do, which won the refs twice in a row, two games in a row. They make such incredible blocks, the refs just can't even believe it. Can't believe they it. Call yeah, it. the one where Gay like blocked the shot that was on its, like clearly on its way up. Like it had barely, but it was, it was so close under to the, the rim, rim still. Yeah, it was just it was he so got up so rim, quick and couldn't so figure it out. Long. I know. I, I, although I will say he did, he did put his hand on the rim. So I th- maybe that's why they called it. Uh, but the the ball was already flying away from the rim, so I don't. Yeah, even the ball know. was not in the cylinder when he touched the rim. Yeah. So, so exactly. Yeah. So, but it was. And then, but, 
Yeah, it's but crazy. so you have those three bigs you can rotate. You don't have to stick with one if he's not working because, like, you know, like Mo was in foul trouble against SMU. Who cares? You still have FA. You still have Deshaun. Oh, maybe you want to go smaller. Well, you can ro- you can w- rotate out Bamba and Yakimovsky and Rodman and figure out who works. And guess what? We found out Rodman working really well. And and yeah. he's been fully healthy. You know, he hasn't missed many games, but he's definitely not been fully healthy. And and I don't I still don't think Yaki's fully healthy. Um, but you know, Bamba's missed games. He he's been recovering from injuries. Deshaun's been recovering from injuries. You know, FA at the start of the year was recovering from injuries. But we're as healthy as can be, you know, healthy as as we've been all year right now. And so they're not they're not stuck with the six guys or seven guys. They can play all nine of these guys and 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 figure out during the game which lineup works best, which combinations are working best. And and, and they they just let that ride. And, and and they've been able to go on these big runs. They've been able to avoid these scoring droughts that have plagued them because they don't have dead legs. They're not relying on one guy to score, you know? And, and so it's, you know, they, they did, you know, they can take Noah out if he's struggling offensively. Right. Like, which he has as he was last night. Yeah. And so, you know, and, and you have Bamba that can play the defense that Noah plays. And you, you, yeah, it was sometimes even better. You know, um, you can have Rodman that plays that great man-to-man defense and rebounds really well against like bigger dudes and stuff. So it's and it, and it's fun that they have this philosophy that they've used all season that's coming to fruition. Even against a, a really good uh, defensive rebounding team, they were able to get offensive rebounds last night. And and it was it's just. It's cool to see a lot of this stuff. You know, people may shit on the NIT, but this is like this is like a reward for all of us that have watched this team all <laughs> yeah. year struggle and and never be whole. They're finally whole, and now they're fourteen and three with their top nine players. And yep, and they you know they're they're uh, they they could very well uh, win this whole fucking like tournament. Because yeah. they're they're I think the best the highest rated team still in it so like it's you know they're they're up to thirty three on Kempom <laughs> <laughs> they started the tur- they started the NIT at fifty five yeah that's how well they played and we see this sort of thing every year right with the NCAA tournament and this is what we saw with the Pac twelve last season with yep. the Kempom ratings because all of a sudden you get this chance to play really good teams. Right. And so, uh, you know, if you win, you play another really good team. And if you win that, you play another really good team. So like, there's a chance for your, you know, for your, your ratings to kind of, you know, skyrocket. And and that's what the Cougars are doing now. Like it, it, at the end of the PAC 12 tournament, um, you know, I, I texted you and was like, I, I you know, Kyle Smith's record of always being better at the end of the year than he was at the beginning of the year is a, a little bit, in jeopardy at this point um definitely not in jeopardy anymore so they uh they 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 got this they got this in the bag well and it and it it feels like you know we uh we've heard that um you know from someone talking to ken palm and stuff that when they have their top nine before they went on this run in the regular season when they had their top nine 
They were roughly around at uh, number 35 on Kempom. So this this yep. 33 right now is kind of just a true talent when they're when they have all their players. And now it's kind of a high expectation to have all your players all year. But some right. some teams get that. <laughs> like they and do. honestly Arizona our, got that. In WSU's two uh big seasons under Tony yep. Bennett, they they yep. they had that. You know, they had yep. their players play. They had had injuries. Sorry, they had. It. Sorry, I don't know if people heard me knock over my <laughs> microphone. I talk with Just my got hands. Very excited. They, they, very they, excited. That those Tony Bennett teams had big time injuries the seasons before when they were under Dick Bennett. They were healthy. The players got better. You know, it's 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 exciting to watch. I, I don't want to get too much into what next year looks like because they have at least one more game. Yeah. Um, but the season's but, not over. Yeah. But yeah, let's uh, let's let's talk about the, the next game. Let's talk about Texas A and M. Um, this it's kind of crazy how there's a lot of similarities between Texas A and M and SMU, and then there's some similarities with BYU as well, like in terms of like the size of the players. Yep. Um, it's weird how we keep getting paired against these teams in the NIT with like small guards and small front courts. So we're not getting killed by another team's big guards. And then we can take advantage with our big front court. And, and yeah, I can see I mean, that, that might with be SMU. I why all these teams and, are in the NIT. Exactly. <laughs> they didn't make it but, to the NCAA tournament. You kind of expect that when you play uh, like a mid, you know, the, not, you know, the, the WCC and American Athletic Conference teams. Because maybe yeah. they're not getting the bigs as much, and they often will have these like kind of wider bodied, uh, shorter bigs, because uh, they can survive with that, and their league's like pretty easy. But it's kind of weird to see Texas A and M. Texas A and M, their uh, most common, um, their two most common lineups over the past five games. You either got a six eight guy playing center or a 6-6-2-0-1 guy playing center. You get a 6-4 or a 6-6 guy playing power forward. Um, and then a 6-5 guy at small forward and 6-2-6-0 point guard, shooting guard and point guard. Like, that, you know, these players definitely profile as quick and, uh, you know, they definitely profile as attacking type players that go to the basket. They have quick hands. They steal the ball. But shooting over them is not going to be an issue. And that's that that teams that have like six, five guards give Flowers and and Roberts on offense a hell of a time. But that's not going to be like this. It's not going to be an issue here. And then we can match up height wise with them easily across the board. And which but uh, you you had mentioned something. Uh, to me earlier, that's like Texas A&M is kind of like a mirror of us. And, and I want you to talk about that a little bit, how, how they're a mirror of WSU. Yeah. I mean, they, you know, they, uh, I don't even remember what I said now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> well, so that sounds terrible. That is good radio right there, folks. What what so, did I say? I don't even remember. So basically, we're, we were talking about look at their four factors, man. Like yeah. so, they 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 they're very similar to WSU. They 
they they're they shoot they don't shoot very well. They crash yeah. the offensive glass. So offensively, they profile very similarly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Defensively, uh, they don't rebound very well. We don't rebound very well defensively. They don't rebound very well at all defensively. Really poorly. One really of the worst bad. defensive rebounds yes. in the country. Extremely rebound teams in the country. But they also they are more extreme in how they get turnovers. So they have similar strength, and then they're they're good at uh, preventing um, high field goal percentages. They they're good at forcing tough shots. Um, so they have some similar strengths to uh, WSU on both sides of the ball, just some yes. like more extremes. And then WSU yes. takes care of the ball better. So yes. that's a lot better. Yeah. A lot, lot better. They're, they're not great at taking care of the ball. And of course we're, we're pretty darn good at forcing turnovers. Um, now they are, you know, one of the best teams in the country at forcing turnovers. Mm-hmm. However, however, um, my, you know, one of the things I like to do when I'm, when I'm on Ken Palm and trying to kind of figure out, you know, what, it, what a team's story, you know, kind of actually is. Um, I love clicking the little conference only button, you know, to kind of be like, you know, what, what did they do in their conference? Because. Well, they do against you know, like you, competition. You, yes. And, you know, okay. So we did, what did we do against PAC 12? What did they do against the sec? Um, you know, th- those are pretty similar conferences in terms of, you know, quality. So, okay. You know, where did they rank on those things? And, and really kind of what I see is that, you know, they're a lot of their metrics that weren't great overall, um, actually were, were even worse in conference. So like, for example, their offensive rebounding, they were 13th in the sec in offensive or defensive rebounding percentage. Um, so opponents were rebounding 35% of their misses. Um, and then they, you know, put the other team on the line a ton. Now they still did generate a lot of turnovers. So that, that is a thing, um, I, I guess that would give us a little bit of pause, um, but when I look at WSU, well, we were the number two team in the Pac-12 in terms of taking care of the ball. Like that, like there was yeah. nothing really fake there where we didn't take or we took really, really, really good care of it in non-conference, and then kind of took care of it in conference, and and then our overall numbers, you know, sort of balance out. What it looks like with Texas A&M is there's a lot of things that they're that they're good at where they were really, really good in non-conference, and maybe just like okay in conference. Whereas with us, it feels like, you know, what we were good at before we were good at in conference too. Um, so when I think about things like, like, like the turnovers, right? So we are superior at taking care of the ball. Uh, A&M is really, really good at forcing turnovers. That is a thing that generally favors the team that is really good at taking care of the ball. Um, it's kind of like, it's kind of like a quarterback throwing it, especially if, if there's, they're athletically similar, I would say. Yes. So a quarterback, you know, a quarterback is the one who ultimately decides whether he throws an interception for the most part, right? Like how much risk does he take with the throw? Does he throw it at all? Right. If he never throws the ball, then he can't throw an interception. Right. So it's kind of like that in basketball too, where it's like, you know, the offense is the one that's really in, I mean, they're the ones that hold the ball. They're the ones that are in control of where they turn it over and teams that are very good at taking care of the ball 
tend to still be very good at taking care of the ball against teams that typically force turnovers. So I feel really good about that matchup. And then, you know, we've seen over these, you know, three games already, just how, just how big of a weapon the offensive rebounding is and what that does for the offense um, and how that just, you know, deflates opponents to an extreme degree. Um, I I don't know, man, I really love, I love this matchup for us. Um, You know, Texas A&M is a good offensive rebounding team, but I would be disappointed if WSU didn't get to like 40% offensive rebounds on this game. Yeah. Yep. Especially on a neutral floor. Like, again, we're not, we're not traveling this time. Neutral floor should be, we hope, you know, kind of a neutral whistle. (laughs) For Um, some reason, Ken Palm has it as a away game. He did. It's fixed now. It's fixed. No, it's not. Not anymore. It went back. It went back. It went back. Yeah. It was fixed. It was fixed. And now it's, I've, I've talked about these things. It's like a service that just auto auto populates. So he has Texas A&M is probably the home team in the game. Yeah. I, yeah, I think they're higher seated. I think they're like a two yeah. or a one. Yes, yeah, yeah they yeah. are. They're yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's 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 it is like I mean Texas A&M, but you cannot discount that in the last month they beat Alabama, they beat Mississippi State, they beat Auburn, yep. they beat Arkansas. Yep. Um, you know, they beat Wake Forest very handily. I mean, that was at home. Um, yep. But they they they're definitely playing well. So are we. I think both these teams are kind of playing their best basketball of the year right now. Yep. Um, so that should make it even more fun. Like this is going to be as quality basketball as like your some of the you know conference you know the NCAA yep. tournament games. Like this is and basically they are like really a, well coached. Like yeah, we're facing like a, a really well coached team. Basically. It's going to be fun. It's exactly yeah. what it is. Yep. Yeah. And yeah. so hey, this is a, it'll yeah. be, it'll be a fight for sure. Yeah. So I'm looking for us to, to just to crush the offensive glass, limit turnovers that limits some of their scoring opportunities to um, just uh, make it impossible for them to shoot the ball inside the paint. Uh, they, which, they do not like shooting three pointers. It's a pretty good likelihood. They do not like shooting They're going to have a tough time. Yeah. They, they uh, we got very excited. Yeah, they got, we got very excited when SMU uh, was. We were playing SMU because of how many times they get their shots blocked. Yeah, uh, Texas A and M gets their shot blocked even more often than that. So, and they give up a lot of steals. Uh, and yep. we know a lot of guys have quick hands. A lot of our bigs have quick hands. Yep. Um, so yeah, that, there's some there's some things. So I, I like to see us block a lot of shots. I like to see us dominate the offensive glass, um, and uh, you know limit their ability to you know score. I could you know just hold them down shooting. They, they got two uh, knockdown three point shooters, Gordon and Radford. Um, the rest of the guys are you know solid, but they take a lot of them, so they must be decent at times, you know. But they they have they have Wade Taylor. Uh, dominates the ball offensively. He's a six foot freshman guard. Um, I I like, you know, that's that's the type of guy. Like that that's a good matchup for Ty. You know, it, he can yep. he can keep that guy out of the lane. He Quentin Jackson, the the wing. Um, you know Noah and Bamba 
put put them on him. See if they can keep him out of the lane. Um, so this will, this should be fun. Let's not play a zone. Uh, we barely played a zone against <laughs> yeah. BYU. I think there was only like two possessions where they played a zone. Yes. Uh, they there got a turnover one, first one and bad a three-pointer. Yeah, and a three-pointer. Yeah. So. yeah, yeah. I guess so, that... You, that, that was, sounds okay bad. until you're like that's one and a half points per possession. One and a half points so. per possession, and they only had, uh, through, for the game they had point point eight nine. Uh, yeah, I did want to say like the the defense was really struggling down the stretch of the regular season in Pac-12 tournament. They were going over one point per possession a bunch, even in their wins against Oregon, Oregon State. Like it wasn't that good, um, but in the NIT. Their defense has been as good as has has been all season. Just frustrating the hell out of it, SMU and BYU in particular. They just ke- could not get things going. They had to make, you know, SMU in particular had to make really tough shots to stay in the game. And BYU just uh just ultimately didn't make that many tough shots. And um it was it, it, it's really cool to see. And that's also part of having that full squad. Um, you can rotate players and keep them fresh. And, you know, if there's foul trouble, it doesn't kill you. Uh, it's, it, it's awesome. I, I'm excited for this game. This is a really fun matchup. Um, and I, and I, I like WSU's chances. Yeah. I love our chances. I, I feel great about uh, where the defense is at. Like you said, uh, there, to me, there's, there's not much more fun than watching an opponent just sort of like watching their shoulders sag and watching their heads, you know, kind of tilt down because they just are like, they, they just have no answers. They, they just, they're just like, we are out of ideas of how to attack this. We, we, you know, we can't get it near the rim. We, every time we uh, pass a ball around the perimeter, we got, you know, some little guy in our shorts. It's like, and then, uh, you know, you miss a shot and, you know, and they gobble up the rebound. It's just, I, it is a tough assignment right now. Um, you know, teams playing us and, uh, you know, I, again, I, I, I don't know, man, I, it's hard to see a way where, uh, where A&M, I mean, obviously A&M can win the game. I'm not, not trying to say they can't win the game, but, um, I don't know, man, I, I have a hard time imagining them. Uh, you know, being all that successful against us, particularly offensively, you know, maybe it just turns into a total rock fight and, you know, it, it, it just ends up kind of being that way. But I, I can't I have a hard time imagining Texas A&M having a real successful um, offensive day after watching these teams, uh, these last two teams, you know, really just get the three teams really get just super frustrated trying to do anything and being unable to do anything and then just watching the body language as they just continually are like, I, I don't, yeah, I don't know what to do. You know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to do. Every time I get near the rim, somebody rejects my shot. Like I just, I mean, there was a, there was a dude, you know, with the BYU dude, the six, six freshman who's a really nice player and had a great start to the game. Um, but in the second half, you know, he went up for what he thought was a pretty wide open dunk and FA just sort of, you know, reached up and erased it. Um, you know, as, as the ball was almost ready to go into the, go into the basket. So, um, yeah, we're just doing what we're doing right now is special and fun and, um, you know, pretends really well for next year. I I know we're not, you know, thinking too much about next year, but, uh, but it's, it's exciting, man. This is, this is just, it's fun. It's exciting. It has value, man. The players are just totally jacked up about it. You know, Noah Williams records video, 
uh, of the celebration <laughs> in the locker room. And then uh, at some point takes it down because uh, Kyle Smith is running around with his shirt off. So, uh, which was a little, uh, a little so disconcerting. I, I, I watched guess. the whole, so. I watched the whole video. Smith took his shirt off cause he knew he was going to get doused with water. <laughs> and then he was trying to put it back on, but he's like, wait, you don't try to put a shirt on while your wits wet. Like, so you yeah, just couldn't get it deal. back on. It's pretty funny. Yeah, um, I will say, so, uh, TJ Bamba, who played a bit in Colorado, whenever we play in Colorado, he goes off. How's he gonna? You know, maybe he's ready to go off in yeah. New York City, where he yeah. played even more. Like so, yeah, uh, yeah. So it's. Uh, I'm excited. He seems one of the guys that is very, very excited to play. Hopefully that doesn't hurt him. But I, he's he's kind of a kind of you know he's not a, a guy that seems to let his emotions get to him too much. So hopefully, um, hopefully he can elevate his game. Uh, and, and have a big one in in, in the garden, um, you know. And, and Smith, you know, going back to New York, uh, John Andershek, Derek Phelps, all guys that have spent time in New York or from New York. So it, it's cool, you know. Our team has some some connections to New York City, and they very clearly were motivated by that, and and yeah. have gotten there. And and hopefully that motivation is still there to to win. <laughs> And it's still special to play there, man. Like, and this is, you know, it's probably not lost on them. Somebody's going to tell them at some point that, you know, this is the last one they're playing in MSG. Like there won't be another NIT there. And plus, you know, the teams, uh, I assume never going to like, like, I'm sure they're thinking like, okay, well, we're never coming back here. So, so let's go ahead and go win it. Um, yeah, it's obviously, you know, we talk about, Everybody jokes about there's too many bowl games and it's like bowl game. You know, we joke, you know, bowl games are meaningless, but they're not meaningless to the players. And, you know, the NIT is the same deal. Like, you know, yeah, it's it's you know, it's still it's the NIT. It's a secondary thing. But it's like, you know, I mean, you and I being soccer fans, like it's it's like trophy, man. Like. Like who cares if it's uh, secondary or whatever? Like you know, we went through the whole US Leagues Open Cup Cup thing with the Sounders, yeah, US or U.S. Open Cup. Cup. It's like, you know, these things are secondary, but like, it's still fucking cool to win a trophy. So let's go win a fucking trophy. Like you know, the, and the players are clearly you know excited about that prospect. And um, you know, I'm having tons of fun. My you know, Sarah and I were looking up uh, looking up airline tickets and kind of trying to see like, uh, you know, how, how good is it? And then they're they're pretty cheap right now yeah. still if i wasn't so. if i wasn't getting married and probably my wedding is part of your calculation too um if i wasn't yes, getting married and, and paying for a wedding and then also traveling to said wedding um i i, I i'd probably be going and using my pto up for <laughs> for for that too i'd probably be yep. you know headed there because yeah like 300 bucks round trip you know and know. there's like a million hotels in New York City, I definitely saw some pretty good deals um, for some pretty decent hotels. Um, so yeah, if you're still thinking about it, go ahead and check. Uh, you know, those direct flights on Alaska are, are pretty good. Um, yep. I will say. Th- so there's one question Amanda posed to me, and I wanted to ask you. She asked me because she just saw me having a ball watching us crush BYU last night, and she could just see how good of a mood I was. She's like, "So, would you rather?" get this deep um, tournament run in the NIT or get a low seed, a crappy seed, she said a crappy seed in the NCAA tournament and lose in the first round. And I immediately said the NCAA tournament. 
Yes. Um, yeah, and then she asked, would you rather win the NIT? And I still said the NCAA tournament. Yes. And my, yes. my reasoning is because these wins would have happened earlier. If, if we were in NCAA, tur- NCAA tournament, we would have gotten four incredible wins during the season. We would have beaten, you know, maybe Arizona or UCLA. Right. We would have beaten USC. We would have probably Boise State, but, you know, like we wouldn't have lost to South Dakota State, whatever. Like, so we pro- we're having a much better time throughout the year if we get to the NCAA tournament. This is just, hey, we're here and it's fun. And that, that was my thinking. I don't know how, what you think on that. Totally, totally the same. Uh, you know, this is great and totally fun and I'm having a great time with it and it's, it's exciting. And, you know, it's like this is not shade toward the NIT or what we're doing right now. But I, I think if you asked um, any of those players, you know, what which they would rather do um i think it's pretty yeah. i think it's pretty obvious that you would choose that and and i think you make a great point right like you know if you're if if we're in the tournament we won three or four more games and probably at least a couple of them were you know fun wins over really good teams so yeah probably feeling pretty good about that um but this is great this is great you know i i definitely would choose the NCAA tournament but since this is where we're at i'm i'm all in on this yeah, it's 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 fun. Like it's it's super fun to to you know still get to look forward to a, a Cougar basketball game in late March. That's that's fun and and but yeah. So I uh, you know let's 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 take a break. Then we'll come back. We'll maybe talk a little bit about what's going on in in the uh, NCAA tournament. Uh, a few programs of note uh, to our audience, I think, uh, that we could discuss. Um, and I, I do want to talk about, you know, the, the women's team. Um, it's, it seems like forever ago now. Uh, but you know, that we, I don't think we've recorded since then or have we, I, maybe we were recorded right before it. I, I have, I don't think we've talked about it on the podcast. So I want to talk about that, that, that loss to Kansas state, um, and that in their season, Um, So let's take a break and we'll come back and talk more hoops. We are back. But first, uh, let's let's talk about beer, Jeff. Uh, I want to know what you're drinking. I am drinking Winter Wolves Frozen Fresh Hop IPA. Uh, this one is brewed by Brothers Cascadia in collaboration with Varietal. Um, it is it is interesting. To say the least. Winter uh, Wolves. What did you describe yes. it as again? What kind of IPA? A frozen fresh hop IPA. Oh, yeah. So that's a new thing that's come in the last couple of years. Yeah. So, so tell me what that means. So you know how they like flash freeze fish and and stuff yes. uh, in Alaska? And it yep. does a pretty good job of like replicating a fresh fish when you when you thaw it out and, and cook yes. it. Um it's the same sort of thing. They're flash freezing the fresh hops. 
and then they're able to keep in some of those characteristics of a fresh hop and then they deploy them usually around this time in the spring um okay. when uh when yeah when when uh so you can make fresh hop beers in a different part of the year okay all right does it taste like a fresh like hop it. beer it does um it definitely at least this one loses a little bit of that kind of earthiness that that you get from mm-hmm. from the fresh hops i know what you mean um yeah so but it's de- it definitely has you know kind of that fresh hop flavor um you know extremely you know hop forward taste um so yeah it's it's good i like it because i i mean you know we've we've established this before on the show that you know i love fresh hop beers that's one of my favorite yeah. things um although i will say like i i sometimes it's funny like i don't know how much I really, really love them or how much I just love that you can only get them for, you know, a couple of months and it's something just like really different, yeah you know, on the palate. Right. And so, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if it's, I'm not sure which of those two things it is. And I'm not sure how I feel about fresh hop season extending, uh, in an artificial way, Craig, I'm, 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 I'm a little torn over this. I'm a little torn. Oh, it's not rare enough for you anymore. You've lost interest. <laughs> That's interests. exactly it, man. I, I, you know, <laughs> I need, I, I need my, I need my exclusivity in order for it to taste good. No, this is, this is really good. I like it. What, what got my attention on it was both that it was, um, uh, you know, trying to do a fresh hop thing. And then also with varietal cause you know, varietal makes, uh, you know, outstanding beers. And so I was, I was excited to, to give it a, give it a go, give it a shot. And I'm brothers. Cascadia, it's, good. it's good. Also a solid brewery out of, uh, yeah. Vancouver. Um, do you, yep. can you tell, did who actually brewed it? Was it varietal or, or brothers, brothers Cascadia? Cascadia. Okay. Yeah, brothers Cascadia. Yep. Brewed and really when, by when, brothers Cascadia. When it, when it's a collaboration, uh, the brewers go to the other brewery, uh, the regular brewer brews the beer while the other brewers get drunk. Or and even the guys burn the beer probably having spears. Uh, so it's like that basically just like a the reason beer, for them actually. to drink beer together and talk about fun things to put in their beer. But really, it's just a reason for them to hang out. So I like that. Which yeah, that's that that that's that's a nice little uh, nice little in- industry perk. You know. Yeah, you we should make teaching like that. I should go yeah. like get to go into somebody else's classroom and drink. But beer you're really just teach. sitting there and having a and beer. then call it a collaboration. <laughs> that's. I don't know. That'd be There's good. like a sign on the outside. That. It's it's like teaching collaboration, Mr. <laughs> Nooser and Mr. Johnson. And I'm just like sitting in the back having a beer or two or three. <laughs> just yelling out stuff to do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like they're talking about, you know, Hamlet. And I'm like, what a loser. God, he's so whiny. Don't you guys think he's whiny? Oh man, more collaboration. I gotta get in the brewery. English joke, little English joke. What about you, buddy? What are you drinking? So I recently, um, you know, I love my glassware. Um, So yes, I I do. There's one of my favorite sort of like beer. I guess you call her kind of an influencer type people. Um, She's a cartoonist. Uh, her name's M Sauter, but she goes by Pints and Panels um, on Twitter, on Instagram, all that stuff. 
And then that's her website as well. Pints and panels. She does these little like cartoon versions. She'll draw cartoon versions of like your favorite beers or, you know, beer bars. And, 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 and then she, she started out doing these like, um, comics of like beer review comics and she so she's like a she's like a, a cicerone um like higher level cicerone than most people which is like the version uh sommelier for beer basically um so she does these really great like beer education she has like a a, a cartoon cicerone like uh study book like so if you want to study for a cicerone she's like made it into a cartoon like it's it's fun like she does all sorts of different beer styles and 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 hop styles and, and uh grain styles all this stuff um she's great highly recommend she's a really she's kind of funny um yeah she, she's fun to follow and so she uh made this she released this glass it's it's her sitting so it's like it's it's based on that meme of the dog um burning up in a you know on fire and he says this is fine um so a little background uh there's this uh this wave of slushy um slushy sours slushy ipas where they just put a ton of fruit in them um early on especially when people didn't know what it was i had a problem with cans exploding um, and, and part of the reason is that these were so stuffed with unfermented fruits that the beer would start re-fermenting inside of the can. And so when like beer nerds would ship the cans to each other, or even sometimes the cans were just on a truck being delivered somewhere and they would just start exploding because what happens when yeast starts eating sugar? Um, it's the same reason why your bread rises, the same reason why beer has bubbles is because it creates carbon dioxide which expands expands the <laughs> and, right. and and like until the can explodes so um so she is sitting there next to an exploded can the stuff's everywhere the beer's everywhere and she's just saying this is fine it's a little her little cartoon version of herself so i had to so i got this can because because i thought it was funny because i'm not really I don't not really into these slushy beers that much. I don't really seek them out. There's some brewers around here that make them, but no one makes them with quite the intensity as a brewery that was kind of popularized for these exploding cans and for these slushy beers uh, as 450 North, which actually has start, started uh, distributing uh, to Washington State, and you can get their slushy beers just like at a beer store, and which is where I got them, um, which is kind of scary, uh, given that they've uh, the slushy beers. Funny thing about it, they 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 had they went through a few uh, kind of uh, uh, scandals, you could say. One, the exploding beer cans, um, and then two. They were advertising these, they called them XL or XXL slushy beers as 8%. And then someone did like an independent test of the beer and the beers were like coming in at two and a half percent. They may have started with an 8% base beer, but they put so much fruit in it that it diluted yeah. the beer down. And, and so now, so these beers that I have now are listed. So that was when they, so because they weren't selling their beer, uh, across state lines, I think they're uh, 
where are they out of uh, Indiana, they weren't selling their beer across state lines. They were just selling it in Indiana. They weren't subject to um, uh, the the uh, TTB uh, review laws that if you so they didn't have to actually put uh, 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 ABV on their beer. Um, if you if you go across state lines, your beer has to be correct within 0.3%. Oh, wow. um, um, other, otherwise, you could be subject to fines. Uh, so now I, I am assuming they have a better testing system because they actually list 5.3% for these beers. So I've got two of them. Um, the first one I had is called Phileo, Phileo Fruit. And it is... Uh, <laughs> So it says right here, store store called Drink Fresh, due to the large amount of fruit in this beer. So they're like, you have to do this. Uh, so it's called Slushly XXL Smoothie Style Sour Ale, which they take uh, like a kettled sour base, like a Berliner Weiss, and then they shove a fuck ton of fruit in it. So this is with passion fruit, jackfruit, dragon fruit, star fruit, and grapefruit. So I poured it earlier, nice and thick. I've already drank this one. I, I had to take it out to Amanda and have her try it. Um, it legit just tastes like a fruit smoothie. It t- tastes nothing like a beer. Like nowhere. She looks, she mixes me and she goes, what ABV is this? And I said, it's listed as 5.3, although they've gotten in trouble for that before. Um, so just tastes like a fruit smoothie. In, in no way tastes like a beer, um, which is uh, kind of funny, kind of crazy. Um, it does apparently have 5%. I'm sure it's highly caloric for a 5% beer because it has all that fruit in it. Yeah. Um, so that was, it was, it was good. Like it tasted good. Like it, it was a good taste. Uh, I like it was, is enjoyable to drink. It's not something I would go for if I was craving a beer. Like Amanda was like, maybe I would just have a smoothie instead. And I'm like, yeah, maybe. You know, because, but I, I see the appeal, you know, they, they taste good. I, I got it. I got my second one I opened is a, a little bit different. This is called Slushy Shake XXL. Uh, this one has straw, it's called, it listed as smoothie sour ale with strawberry vanilla chocolate milkshake. Um, so this one was even thicker. Uh, it is kind of like a reddish slightly brownish tinge to it um this one i do not like as much it tastes kind of weird um like it, it doesn't it doesn't taste like it does taste like a smoothie but it's a little like more sugary tasting um than the other one probably because they put the chocolate and the vanilla in there and stuff not quite as good, uh, but also very thick. I, I took a risk. I, I had it, you know, I just had it sitting on the desk. I put uh, koozies around it uh, while I was waiting, but I risked it exploding in my office um, just for <laughs> just for effect. Um, but yeah, these beers, if you really like smoothies and you really like beer that doesn't taste anything like beer, which I, I say that without judgment, um, I... Look for these beers, 450 North or uh, Sig does some that are pretty uh, pretty slushy-ish and uh, some other breweries, you know, a lot of breweries are doing similar styles, but probably no one quite slushes them up as much as um, 450 North. Uh, so I picked up 
one of these at Peaks and Pints, one of these at uh, Tacoma Boys. Uh, so, you know, p- places with big beer selections in the area probably are getting these distributed to them. Um, they're pretty weird. Uh, if you want to try something really weird or just get drunk on like fruit, I guess. If you're big into Spody, maybe, you know, just be right up your alley. Um, uh, check it out. Um, I'm going to have the worst hangover tomorrow, probably. Uh, I, I got a little bit of a like gut ache in the first one. So we'll see how the second one goes down. <laughs> I don't know why I did too. Um, but yeah, slushy beers. Check them out. Don't let the it. cans get warm. I dig it. Very nice. All right. Let's, let's talk about what we saw in the NCAA tournament tonight. Um, mm. God, you know, this the, week just keeps getting better. The number one team on Kempom went down. Yes, it did. So, you know, last year, I I, I was really fearful against Gonzaga. They were undefeated. They were going to go to the national championship. And they went to the national championship undefeated. And the national championship game was on my birthday and I'm like, Gonzaga cannot finish an undefeated season on my birthday. Thank you, Baylor Gross, for beating them. Um, this year, we did not have to wait as long because Arkansas yeah, took down took down Gonzaga um, in the Sweet 16, just like the good old days. Um, uh, you know, early exits, which is what they used to be known for um, before they started running through these tournaments. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Exit, Sweet 16. Um, like I said, you know, Arkansas. Uh, shout out to Vince Grippy, um, who uh, was pretty cautious about this matchup uh, with Gonzaga when, in his article in the Spokesman this morning. Um, didn't quite predict that they would lose, but basically said that they would, they're in trouble. Um, and, and yeah, you know, Arkansas defends, and they're, they're tough. Like, they're... You know, Musselman's a good coach, and they made it difficult, and they they got Chet Holmgren in foul trouble, and, uh, you know, Gonzaga's guards had a tough time scoring, and that was that was wild to watch. You know, it's always crazy when a number one seed goes down, and we had two of them go down today. Yeah, the, the game against uh, the Gonzaga game with, with Arkansas, I, I'm a huge Eric Musselman fan. Uh, I was I was a huge fan of his back before we hired Ernie Kent. He was on my list of guys that uh, that I would have been happy to see take over at WSU. So very excited to see him uh, beat Gonzaga because uh, beating Gonzaga is always good. Um, and it's you know it's I, every time every time I'm rooting against Gonzaga, I, ha- I feel like I have to explain to way too many people why I don't like Gonzaga. And even when I do. I also feel like they don't really get it either. Like I'm like, well, you see, we used to play them in basketball and now we don't. And the reason we don't is because Mark Few is a big meanie head. And it's like, it eventually that, I don't know, man. Well, they, if you they wanted just look to look at me, they look at me want- like, that's it. That's why you don't like them. And I'm like, fuck yeah. That's why I fucking hate them. And they're like, you're weird. And, uh, well, yeah, if you probably. want another reason this week, and I'm always looking for reasons cause it's fun. Yeah. Uh, is, that spokesman review instead of having Colton Clark cover WSU spring football practice, 
WSU uh, beat reporter. The WSU Colton beat Clark. reporter. They sent him to San Francisco because apparently, like the three other writers they had, <laughs> weren't enough. Yeah, not to enough. write stories about Gonzaga. Um, shout out to Colton for writing a uh, remote uh, gamer <laughs> watching on TV in his hotel room. Um, but it, but yeah, like so, uh, so it's not even it's it's hurting the coverage our teams are getting. Our football team is being impacted by Gonzaga's basketball team. Um, so that's it's 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 funny. Like, w- you know, w- why do I have to like this team? Like they they yeah. like their great run has basically done nothing but negatively impact WSU. <laughs> like it's, yeah, like it's and and you know what I care about most is WSU. So that is right. Um, I mean, they so, won't they won't play us because they're afraid of Kyle Smith. And, and, and that is legit, by the way, like I, I don't, I'm not, uh, I'm not, you know, spilling the tea on something that I shouldn't be like Kyle Smith was on his, co- his coach's show one week and said, uh, you know, Chaz now asked, Hey, you know, we, you guys ever resurrect that rivalry? And Kyle Smith goes, they won't play us. <laughs> they, they won't, they won't schedule us. They won't play us. Um, so it's, you know, Mark few knows, uh, he, you know, he coached, obviously coached against Kyle Smith, when he was at USF. Uh, so he knows, knows what he's getting himself into. Um, Gonzaga is determined not to let us get any kind of foothold in Eastern Washington. So again, for the thousandth time, fuck them. And I'm so happy that they lost tonight. Peace. Yes. Woo pig suey. <sighs> so much fun. Arkansas is just fun to watch, man. They, they, you know, they, like I said, I love Eric Musselman. They have his personality. Um, they just fight like hell. Um, you know, Eric Musselman is not for everyone. Like I saw, um, Tim Booth, who's the AP reporter out of Seattle, you know, mentioned like basically, you know, man, what if, what if Washington had gone for Eric Musselman? And I'm like, I'm like, that dude's an acquired taste, man. <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure he would have really fit in, uh, uh, you know, in, in Seattle, but, um, you know, he's, he's a good, he was a good fit at Nevada. He's a good fit at Arkansas. Um, you know, he's, he's just fun as hell, man. His teams play hard and, um, you know, they just, they, they scrap and they fight and that, that's certainly something that we can appreciate. So yeah, I was, I was ecstatic to, to watch Gonzaga lose. Um, I, you know, the tears are just, you know, unbelievably delicious. They sustain me, uh, because I am that petty, uh, just like Mark few who, uh, you know, drove drunk and, then served a three game suspension that was all exhibition games and uh, you know, whatever, man, this is good. This is good. I love it. I love it. It makes me smile. Um, I hate them and I hope they lose. Uh, The only thing that makes me happier than them losing is Washington losing. But since Washington isn't playing anymore, this is, this is as good as it gets, Craig. It's as good as it gets. I root for Washington when they play Gonzaga, to be honest. So yeah, I I uh I see more benefit to WSU if yeah. Washington wins. Yeah, um, I think that's true. So I uh also uh crazy stuff, Arizona going down. Um oh. but not crazy if the NCAA would just follow their own uh system that they're supposed to yeah. be using to evaluate teams. Yeah. So you got lost so to Houston. Kind of poor Arizona. Number two overall seed gets the Ken Palm number two and net number three as the five seed in the si- in the Sweet Sixteen. 
And Houston looks every bit those rankings in the tournament so far. Just has rolled through their first three opponents, yep. including two very Illinois got the brunt of that first. Like, congrats, Illinois. On your four seed, you get a five seed that's top five in net and Kempom. Congrats. Um, and then Arizona uh, gets the same thing. And man, so we already talked about Eric, Mus- Eric Musselman. That's a guy we could have hired before we hired Ernie. Kelvin Sampson is another guy we could have hired probably before, before we, we hired, hired Ernie. Ernie. <laughs> and you know what? He <laughs> he coached here before. And any coach, any coach that takes WSU to that same tournament is a Hall of Fame yes. quality coach. And this, so this is well established. This is well established. So yeah. Kelvin Sampson can coach his fucking butt off, and he is proving it right now. He's been proving it for the last few years with the, the way Houston. They lost Marcus Sasser, their best player, one of the best players in the country, in 12 games in, and they just kept rolling. You know? Like, they just, they're they're a juggernaut right now, and yeah. they don't even have, like, one of their best players and they, they lost it. You know, they've, they, they, they went for a long time without, uh, uh, another, uh, rotation player. Like it's, it's, it's wild. And, um, it, it, it sucks for Arizona. You know, they could have gotten, you know, some other, whatever the other five, see like Wisconsin or something like that in the, in this round, but instead they get, they get Houston who is, as good as almost anyone in the field. So pretty as good as anyone in the field. And uh, they're bounced. So now we're down to one one seed left. Yeah, uh, Kansas, watch Just out. Just like everyone playing, thought. Just like everyone the, predicted. Yep. Playing the luckiest team in the in the country, Kansas, tomorrow. So good luck with that. Um, but yeah, so that was a pretty wild uh, Sweet 16. Uh, Duke had to go out and win and beat Texas Tech and uh, what was the other one? Oh, uh, uh, Villanova over uh, yes. Michigan. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah. So, uh, but now let's switch. Let's talk about the women's tournament specifically WSU's participation in said tournament. Um, that was rough. Uh, they lose fifty to forty. To Kansas State after a 24-17 halftime lead. Um, Charlize had 20 of the 40 points. So and then and then her sister had nine. So you're talking about outside of those two, the rest of the team had eleven points. Um, man, you I know you have thoughts. You you wrote a nice piece um, uh, about about that game and and um, so, you know, what, what happened? Like how, how did that happen? 50 to well, 40. Just their, their, their offense failed them. I mean, that's, that's really it. Like, I, I don't think it's, uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's any more complicated than the offense was, was really bad. And, and I think that, um, <laughs> it's funny, you know, we talk a lot about, uh, our small guards on the men's team and how, you know, bigger guards on defense can give them trouble. Um, that That's kind of what happened against Kansas State. Um, you know, I, I don't think I gave enough credit to uh, Kansas State's size on the perimeter. You know, we talked a lot about um, 
you know, their zone defense, they ran this zone and, uh, it was really obvious, you know, just kind of watching the game, why they run that zone. Uh, because, you know, I, uh, Aoka Lee, who's really, really is, is, a, is a very potent and powerful offensive force. Um, she really just kind of does it through sh- really, truly through sheer size. Um, she doesn't move very well, um, but she's, but she's really big. She's six foot six and, you know, takes up a lot of space. Um, she does a lot of things really, really well, um, about the only thing she doesn't really do well. And so it's, you know, when you start asking, well, how does a player that good end up at Kansas state? Well, you, you watch her play and you're like, okay, I can see that. Like, um, you know, the things that she doesn't do very well, she just really doesn't move very well on defense and okay. So she doesn't move very well on defense. You run a zone. She doesn't have to move very much. Okay, great. Um, but you know, as, as we know from watching our own men's team, um, zones are, you know, as important to a zone as having, you know, a rim protector is also having long guards on the perimeter that can make people do weird things and take difficult shots. Um, you know, Kansas state, I think was a little longer on the perimeter than I realized heading into the game. And it, and it really kind of caused our guards, um, you know, gu- caused our guards some trouble. And so, you know, we didn't, didn't really make shots. We did get some open looks. Uh, Joanna Tader had a, you know, probably the worst game of her life. Uh, she goes over 10 and I think over seven from three, uh, missed a wide open layup. Uh, it just was, uh, and when I say wide open layup, I'm talking uncontested layup. Um, just, just blew it. it. So, you know, it's, it's awfully tough to win when, uh, really basically everybody not named Charlize was, was awful. And, you know, you score 40 points, man, it is, I, I, you know, I just, I don't know how you win when you only score 40 points. That's, that's pretty, that's pretty damn impossible. And, you know, th- there were some things that they could have done differently. I think, um, Kansas state played some man to man where they really hadn't, um, apparently hadn't really played it much all year. Um, they mixed it in quite a bit. We did not take advantage of it as, as we should have, um, really should have, uh, been prepared to put Lee and just, you know, the pick and roll over and over and over again. Um, and we didn't totally succeed at getting her in those situations, uh, when they were playing man to man. So, um, that was, that was kind of a missed opportunity. And then, and then I think that, you know, Etheridge did some things that were, you know, I think when she looks back, she'll, she'll sort of regret, um, you know, Bella went to the, went to the bench about halfway through the third quarter with her fourth foul, never came back in the game. And, you know, Lee, as she kind of got going in the second half, you know, a big part of that was they were able to just kind of throw it up and have her catch it. Didn't really work in the first half because we were really swarming her and we just could not keep that energy up the entire game. Really, I think needed someone like Bella in there who's, you know, six foot three and and not just six three, but, you know, really long and pretty athletic, um, you know, to maybe disrupt some of those entry passes. And and she stayed on the bench for the rest of the game. So I don't know. I mean, it's kind of nitpicky anyway. I mean, they made their run to push the lead out when Bella was on the bench in the first half. So that's, I, I I get what, uh, Cammy was thinking. Um, and Bella was, it was, it was a struggle for her in that zone to get any sort of looks because she has no jump shot. Like she doesn't, she's not going to shoot a 15 footer. She's not going to shoot a 12 footer. Yeah. And Etheridge basically, basically alluded to that. 
Like she didn't come right out and say, I couldn't play Bella because she has no jumper, but she kind of said, well, you know, Bella works really hard and, you know, she knows some things she needs to add to her game next year. Like, like that was the implication that, you know, she, they, if she was in the game, they could not get any offense from her at all. Uh, Which, you know, again, you know, when you score 40 points, that's, you know, that that's probably a legitimate, um, a legitimate argument. I think that Bella might've been able to help him, you know, scrap some offensive rebounds on yeah. a day when nobody could make a shot. <laughs> yep. Like nobody can make a shot. So maybe Bella can, you know, get her hands on, on some rebounds and help you there. But, you know, again, it's, I mean, I don't know, man, it, you know, when you shoot that poorly, I, I just like, I don't know how much you can criticize much of anything. Cause ultimately players have to make shots and, and they were, they, they, they had their worst game of the year in that respect. So, you know, bad timing, I, you know, I don't, I don't know as a coach, I don't, I know coaches will always think they could do something, but you know, it, it what didn't take me very long after that game to just kind of think like, I don't know. I mean, I can write a thousand or 1500 words on this stuff, but ultimately they just didn't, they just didn't shoot, you know? Yep. And you know, how do they get back to this place? Um, and then maybe win next year. Obviously, they're losing Crystal. They're going to need a point guard, you know, a, a guard uh, to sub in. They're, they're, you know, they were already pretty. They're pretty thin. Uh, you know, they they basically, for the most part, play a six kind of seven person rotation with Jessica Clark as the as the backup to Bella. Um, you know, hopefully, you know. Tara Wallach showed a lot of things this year. She did not shoot well, um, but she shoots with confidence. So I'm sure that there's, she must be able to shoot. You know, she has, a, she has a lot of game. Um, I could see her taking a step forward. You know, Charlize kind of just, what didn't, I, Charlize is probably overall worse this year than she was her freshman year. And so if she can get back to that and, and surpass it, you know, they, they could be very good again. You know, they're getting Ula back. They're getting Johanna back, getting Bella back, Tara. Uh, you know, most everyone's coming back. Um, and we'll see what they can add. Um, and, and, you know, see if some of the young guards can can come in and, and, and help out. Uh, but, um, you know, they, they, they bring enough back next year to think they can get back here. And as long as you have Charlize, you know, you, you believe that. Uh, but what you see in in these tournaments is like, how do you get to be one of those top 16 teams? You know, like you get, if you if you host, if I mean, if you're a top 16 team, you get to host the first two rounds. And these were some great atmospheres. And instead, yeah, WSU is a huge an, difference. Instead, WSU is an eight seed that has to fly and play eight thirty a.m. their time. Even if they would have won, they would have had to play NC State in front of like ten thousand NC State fans. Right. Uh, you know, and you watch the uh, man that I they lost, but the Iowa crowd against Creighton was insane. Yep. yep. Um, you know, there's a, the UConn crowd against uh, uh, UCF was just nuts like like just some great crowds you know it's probably a little bit unbalanced that they do it that way but the reason they do it that way is because these crowds they get are amazing 
and uh, and, and you'll probably lose that if you go to a neutral site. So, you know. Well, they used. I I think they used to do neutral sites. Yeah. And it was I, I, yep. something like that where basically not very many people were showing up. So. Yeah, and so you know, I, a WSU would have to go out and probably grab like an impact transfer or two to 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 because they're you know Cammy's a hell of a coach. I think she they they are definitely maximizing what they have, and it's it to to play with such a short bench, hard to be that elite of a team and sustain it enough throughout a season. Uh, to get a top four seed, um, so they I think they definitely would need to add to the team. You know, you got to hope yep. you know two more, two maybe three more years of Charlize, they can at some point um, and, and be and get a season like that. Uh, let's see if we can get people in Pullman. Like I would, if, if if we had WSU playing a an NCAA tournament game in Pullman, yeah, uh, man, uh, that, that would be fucking amazing. Um, so yeah, hopefully we we can do that. Um, we'll, it'll be interesting to see what what they do this year if they can you know get any transfers or anything like that. Bring something in, bolster this roster, um, so you don't have these games where um, so you just have more people. Um, you know, so if someone's having a bad game, you got someone else to pick pick her up. So you know, uh, Johanna doesn't have to sit out there and clank shots, and maybe can take a little bit more of a rest on the bench and think about it, and maybe maybe refresh her head instead of playing 32 minutes out there. And um, yeah, man, they were just, well, that, that was the were just, point that we, the, yeah. that was, we thought we were at that point though. Yeah. Like that was the thing. Like we went to this tournament we thought we were at that point. We were like, yeah, we're there. We like, we have know, we've the, got, yeah. yeah, we've got other scorers, you know, today or especially like, um, you know, after that game against Arizona, I think she, what she scored 18 or 20 points against Arizona. Like, we were like, yeah, we're there. We we finally have some compliments. Crystal, um, you know, is is a little bit obviously still a, a point guard, but um, you know, had been a little more assertive. No, I shouldn't say that. She's always been assertive about her offense, but had been a little more effective <laughs> and efficient with her offense. Um, you know, and Bella, obviously, you know, is someone we had talked about as well. You know, being a little bit of an offensive force. So, I don't know, man. It just felt like okay, we got these options, and then they all. <laughs> literally every last one of them disappeared in this game. And I, yeah, I don't know how much you read into that. Like, I don't know if I, you know, feel like, Oh man, we, you know, need big, big, you know, additions or if it's just like, man, they just had one shitty game. Well, I just, I I definitely don't think you can roll with like a basically six and a half person rotation. Yes. I think, I think that's accurate. Yes. Yeah. They do have some dead weight on the roster that, um, you know, maybe needs to, explore their options in the transfer portal, um, you know, and allow for, for some recruiting to take place, um, to replace some of those bodies. But yeah, I mean, I think you're right about that. Um, I, you know, point guard, I don't know what they do there. Um, I don't know if, you know, the answer is on the roster or not, but, um, but that's a pretty gaping hole that, that crystal leaves behind. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, they have a freshman, um, she's, uh, she's quick, she's small. Um, but it's, it's, but it's just, it's, uh, we'll see. Um, uh, Crystal's very good defensively too. That's going to be a lot yep. to replace. Yep. Um, yep. you know, tough, lots of steals. Yeah. Really good player. Really good man or person to person defense. 
Um, so it, it's, uh, yeah, I, but you know, as long as I got Charlie's, as long as I got Tara and, and I think, you know, I only expect Bella to get better. I only expect Tedder to get better and, and Ula. Um, so I, I, you know, I'll be bullish on them next year, especially if they add something, um, you know, cause they added Tara this year. That was huge. They had another player like that. That could be huge again. Yeah. Um, yep. so she's, yep. she's one of those players that needs to take, I think a pretty big step forward. Yeah. And I think she's totally capable of it. So, mm-hmm. yep. absolutely. Well, uh, definitely uh, a bummer, but the game was at this point, almost two weeks ago. So I'm kind of, yeah. kind of over it now, but yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah. That's a, uh, it sucks when you have it at like, 8 30 in the morning it's over at 10 30 and it wasn't almost two weeks ago god why does it feel like no it was it was like it was like not it was just last weekend i know it feels like forever ago i don't know yeah we just haven't recorded this week it does feel like forever because wsu's played like three games i think in between i mean the men have played three you know we watched like a ton of ncaa tournament games like so much has happened i think that's uh you know you got the cbi championship all that stuff you know (laughs) um but yeah, it's uh, yeah. I, I hope hope they can do it again. You know, I'd love to see them take that next step, get get a win the tournament. That's a lot easier if you have a higher seed. So you know, just be even better in the regular season, um, yeah. and 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 get get in get a higher seed. Um, but yeah, that's a uh, that's it. That's all today. Uh, I am. Uh, you can follow me at the Craig powers on Twitter, um, at Craig W powers on Instagram. If you like pictures of beer and me at Sounders games, um, which is kind of all it is right now. Uh, and then, uh, Jeff, you can follow at pod versus everyone on Twitter. If you want to email us, I haven't even looked at the email. Anyone says email. Want to email us, uh, pod podcast versus everyone um at gmail.com um and uh yeah i guess with that i will say go kooks go kooks craig black lives matter black lives matter get vaccinated still and maybe even triple boosted soon i think maybe maybe